So I'm going to be doing a lot of recap. Required competencies for life and marketplace breakthroughs. Required competencies for life and marketplace breakthroughs. In Deuteronomy 28 and verse 13. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 13. The Bible says, And the Lord shall make you the head, and not the tail. And you shall be above where? Above where? Above only. And you shall not be beneath. It says, If you hearken unto the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day to observe and to do them. So we see here God telling us where He wants every believer to be. He's telling us our positioning. Redemption is more than a ticket to heaven. Redemption is not an escape route to eternity. Redemption is an invitation and initiation into an above only life. So here we see the Bible says that you will be the head and not the tail. And above only. You can see here that God did not even make any provision. Right for you and I being in the middle. And that's why I've said over and over again. And I'm going to say for the obtained time. That for every believer. You see you are either at the top or you are on your way to the top. And you must have that mindset. You must have that belief. That must be your conviction. That I might not be at the top yet. But God has ordained me. Even for liftings and life. In Psalm 78 and verse 72. The Bible says so he fed them according to the integrity of his heart. And he guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. A couple of years ago the nation of Israel celebrated 4,000 years. Right. Uh, of the um, or like a posthumous 4,000 um, celebration of David's reign as king over Israel. But the Bible is making us to understand here that David didn't just step into that realm. You see, because he was just a child of God. The Bible says he led them by the integrity of his hands. And he guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. So there is a place for skill. There is a place for competence. You see, that's why God is saying you are going to be the head. You are going to be above only and not beneath. But he puts a clause. He said, if there is always a what to do. He said, if you are acting unto the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, to observe and to do them. It's not just enough for you to know the commandment. You need to do them. You need to carry them out. You see that? So the Bible is making us to understand that David was skillful. And you see, we see that play out all through his life. David started out being skillful, you know, with the playing of the harp. The playing of the harp. His first introduction into the palace was through his ability to play skillfully the app. Not just to play, but to play it well. Over time, we saw that he developed the competence, the ability to wrestle with wild animals and conquer them. Then we saw that he developed ability, competence to use the sling and the stone. Then over time, we saw that David developed the ability and the competence to use the sword. Then David the warrior developed the ability and the capacity right, to govern a nation. So David kept growing in competence. He kept growing in ability. For the most part, many of us, the skill we had years ago is still the same skill that we have to now. And sometimes we are wondering, why is it that the promises of God and, uh, and those promises are not becoming a reality? You see, God is not a magician. He's a miracle worker. 
And every miracle has a God part and a man part. It is man's responsibility that provokes God's ability. There is always a what to do. There is always something that you and I need to do. Even as we step into this new year. The year is still young. And so it is imperative for us to have a basic understanding of some of these things. The Bible tells us about a man by the name of Bezaliel and Aholiab. Bezalel and Aholiab were guys, you know, that were instrumental in the construction of the temple. When the children of Israel left Egypt, you see, and the Bible says that this was they had understanding, they were skillful, you see, they had competence in construction work, you see. And God specifically told Moses that these guys, I, I want you to use these guys. Why? Because they are skillful. Let me tell you this the work of God is not meant to be done in a shoddy way. People are always amazed when a church community does something exceptionally well. You see, it is an anathema. It is, it is even wrong for the world, for the church to be learning from the church. The church should learn from, uh, uh, the world should learn from the church. Because God is the giver of all wisdom. is the giver of all understanding. So when people want to know how to learn how to do something, they should just look for a believer in that field of play. And say, we know that if we can just get connected to this guy, we will know what to do. That was the case of David. That was the case of Joseph. That was the case of Daniel in Babylon and his friends. You see, we see that replicate of scriptures. People would develop competence and as a result, God lifted them. Let me tell you this, friends. God will not lift you beyond your level of competence. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Thank God for prayer. Thank God for fasting. If your capacity, you see, uh, is only for managing 10 people, God will not place you over a million people. No, 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 no. God is not a waste of resources. That's why you see that when God sent um, uh, 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 Moses' mentor to him by the name of Jethro, and he told him how to govern the millions of people he was leading across the desert, he told them, he said, appoint, he told him, he said, appoint elders. He said, some will lead hundreds of people. He said, some will lead 50. Some will lead 10 because their capacity is more than 10. Because if you give a man that has the capacity for 10, if you put him in charge of 1,000, the 1,000 will reduce to 10. If you put a man that has the capacity for 1,000 and put him over 10, that 10 will grow to 1,000. It's about capacity. It's about capacity. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying this morning? So you need to develop competence. You need to develop competence. That's what the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 16. It says, Let our Lord now command your servants which are before you to seek out a man who is cunning, that is, skillful, who is a skillful player on an harp. And it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God, which is upon you, Right, uh, uh, when he placed that up by his hand, that you will be well, that you will be well. And I think I've explained this several times. God does not give evil spirits, evil spirit does not come from God. Under the old testament, they were ignorant of so many things. So anytime they can't explain something, they just say it is God. They just say it is God. You see, the Bible says that God is good. It's not that he has a measure of goodness, 70% goodness and 30% evil. No. God does not have evil spirit. But what happens is that when the spirit of God steps aside, the devil will occupy. That's the way it works. That's why Jesus said that if a man carries a demonic spirit and you cast out that spirit, if the man does not accept responsibility right, for filling up the space that those demonic spirits occupied, 
He says that the demon spirits will come back to check if that place was empty. And if they realize that the place, there is still a vacuum, the Bible says the demon will go get seven more wicked spirits and they will occupy. They will occupy. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying this morning? So the first competence you need to develop even as we go in this year 2022 is discernment. Discernment. In the marketplace, in the corporate world, is referred to as the sixth sense. Discernment. 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 A dictionary defines it as the ability to judge well. But I like to explain it this way. That discernment is the ability to know what will happen before it happens. And the wisdom to position yourself to be an, at, an advantage regardless of what happens. I'm going to say that again. It sounds a mouthful but it's very simple. Discernment is the ability to know what will happen before it happens. And the wisdom to position yourself to be at an advantage regardless of what happens. So discernment, right, is the ability to know something before it happens. You might not be able to explain in details, but you just have that intuition. There's that, there's that instinctiveness. Something just tells you that, you know, if I do this, this is going to happen. If I take this step, this is going to happen, right? If I decide to stay here, you see, you look at the guys that were lepers. The Bible says that they were outside the gates. And they said to themselves, they said, if we go to the camp of the Syrians, they said, they might kill us. They said, but if we stay here, they said, we are going to die all the same. Something just told them, let's go to that camp. And when they took those steps, the Bible says, when they got there, they saw an abundance of resources that the Syrians had left. Why? Because as they were taking steps, God was amplifying their footsteps, causing the Syrians to hear the sound of a large army. So they thought that the king of Israel had hired, you know, other nations to fight. You see, against them. And the Bible says they left everything they had. But you see, those guys had to discern that it is time to see. Because they had been living outside of the gate for years. Why is it that it was the time that victory and abundance? Why is it that it was the time that prophecy was given in the city? That the time of abundance was coming? Why is it that it's that same time that they felt they needed to go into that camp? It's discernment. That's what Jesus was saying concerning the children of Israel when he was about to be taken away before he went to die on Calvary's cross. He was shedding tears, weeping over the nation of Israel. He said, you did not know the time of your visitation. How do you know the time of your visitation by discernment? You see, in life, there are two types of time. You see, there is the chronos and there is the kairos. Chronos is what, you know, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3, 4, 5, you know, 12 p.m., um, 6 p.m. That's chronos chronology that's where that comes from but kairos simply means a destiny moment it simply means an opportune time it does not come by 12 a.m 1 a.m 2 a.m or 3 p.m no it is a time that you sense that this is a time you see what the guy at the pool of bethesda in john chapter 5 what he kept missing was not the chronos what he kept missing the guy that had been lame for 38 years that jesus met and said why are you still here do you want to be healed what he was miss missing was his kairos moment he wasn't missing 3 p.m as it were because he himself said at the set time of the year you see the angel will come to stir up the waters and anybody that steps in was going to be healed if it was a specific date in the year i don't think he would have been there for 38 years because he would have realized that this is a particular date. So it was an opportune time. It was a destiny moment. But he kept missing it. May you not miss your destiny moment in Jesus name. Somebody didn't hear what I just said. May you not miss your destiny moment. In the name of Jesus. You see the thing about destiny moment. About Kairos. Is that it does not come every year. It does not come every month. It may come for some people once in a lifetime. 
For some people it may come only twice. But when you take advantage of that destiny moment, it alters everything for the rest of your life. Let me tell you this, it happens for people in the marketplace. You need to understand what your destiny moment is in the marketplace. When the Spirit of God, for some people it might be that the Spirit of God might impress upon your heart that in this year, change the line of business you are in. Start doing this. Why don't you get into this? That's not. That's why you must ensure you invest in your capacity to increase your discernment. That's not the time to be saying, "Ah, God, you see, you see, uh, that was going to happen to Peter." There was a destiny moment for the Gentiles to receive Christ. Peter had been fasting, which was what activated the sensitivity. The Bible says that they were cooking. He wanted to break his fast, and they decided to go to the roof. You know the way they construct their house in the Middle East. Most times they usually have, you know, a place of rest on the, uh, uh, on the roof. So, he was laying there and the Bible says there was a vision. And he saw different animals. And God said, arise, it will kill and eat. And Peter was arguing with God. The same God that gave the law. It was a destiny moment. But Peter was not recognizing it. You see somebody like Paul, you know, Paul Saul on his way to Damascus. When he had that encounter with God, when a blinding light came, you know, Paul was able to recognize that destiny moment. You see, because of some people, some people are not even saved, yet they have discernment. Because at that time, Paul the apostle was not saved. But when he had that encounter, he said, what would, he said, who are you, Lord? And what would you have me do? That was what came out of his mouth. He said, who are you, Lord? And what would you have me do? Because if something just told him that this is a destiny moment. This year, may you not miss your destiny moment. In the name of Jesus. So it is important for you, I think I mentioned this last week, Sunday. You see, there was a time, years ago when, you know, Apple started, the company was doing fine, but it got to a point, the company began to play too. And Steve Jobs just knew that there is more. He just knew that there was more. You see, and research, you know, I discovered in my research that the guy traveled. He said he went to India. For some, maybe months or maybe years thereabout, he just disconnected from his company and handed over to somebody else. Of course, he went into the dark world, you know, and he started, you know, getting involved. He, he lived with the monks and all those things. And when he came back, Apple just, too, you know, just skyrocketed. Let me tell you this. This world is a spiritual place. Some of us, they tell you to pray. They tell you to fast. You say, your eyes is turning. You see, before destiny turns out of the way, you better fast. Jesus did not say, if you fast. He says, when you fast. There are doctrines today that teaches that, you know, God has, you know, he has done all the fasting for us. Jesus has paid the price. He has paid the price for his assignment. You must pay the price for your own destiny. You must. You must. You know, I remember years ago I heard from my pastor. He said he was in a conversation with someone. And the person said, I fast every day. He said, really? Wow. It must be a, wow. Every day? He said, yes. He said, everybody fast. Don't you know, pastor? He was giving him a rema. <laughs> so, everyone said, yeah, please tell me more. He said, why do you think the food we eat in the morning, they call it breakfast? He said, because when you sleep in the night, you are fasting. So when you wake up and you eat, you are breaking your fasts. <laughs> Let me tell you this. The battles of life does not come pre-announced. It doesn't come with an invitation card. It doesn't come with an announcement. It won't tell you that 5 p.m. on the 13th of so-so-so months, you will face a battle. You see, but when you are constantly in a state of preparedness, you'll be able to discern that something is going to happen. Something is about to happen. And you position yourself. That's why discernment is the ability to know what will happen before it happens. You see, and being able to place yourself at a position of advantage. 
You must be able to see. You see, that's why the Bible says, who is, who is as deaf as my servant? No, who is as blind as my, as my servant and deaf as my messenger? You see, salvation brings us into a relationship with God. Making us servants as it were of God. But you see, the fact that you are a child of God does not mean you will be sensitive and discerning. There are so many undiscerning believers in this, day, in this age and time. Because too many things have clogged up people's sensitivity. The cares of this world. The pride of life. Material things that are fleeting. Things that before as we are buying it, they are already bringing out a newer model. And you are losing your discernment because of that. Losing your discernment for pleasures of few moments. May you be wise in Jesus' name. Somebody didn't get that. May you be wise in Jesus' name. That's why you see, you see when the guy was going to get married, huh? um, um, Steve Jobs, you see, let me tell you, it's, it's like, sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm amazed at how believers are ashamed of the advantage we have. When Steve Jobs was going to get married, his marriage or his wedding was conducted by Suzuki disciples. You know what they call Suzuki disciples? It's a level in that they are realm. It was he didn't hide it. But the average believer will be ashamed that no and even our pastors, I know I'm a pastor. So why are you if I please? Is that church message? So what are you trying to We are ashamed of what should be an advantage. We are ashamed. You see, this guy doesn't hide it. Jack Dorsey, see your Twitter. That guy literally lives a fasted life. He fasts every day, every single day, break 7 p.m. Oh, be by 12, 12, 12 p.m. We are ready. That's if they are in a trance. If they are punishing you, that why are you punishing me? Somebody does that every single day. It's only a meal per day. Hmm. See, let me tell you this. People will, if you see anybody rising consistently, there are things they are doing. They might not tell you, but everybody rising. Anyone at the top and that has stayed there consistently. Let me tell you this. There is something they are doing. They either have a secret place or they, become, they belong to a secret cult. It's always secret. Because once... We'll leave that for some other time. Praise the Lord. The key to discernment, number one, is desire. Desire. You must desire it. You must desire it. You must pray for the voice of the Spirit. Proverbs 18 and verse 1, the Bible says, Through desire, a man having separated himself, he seeks and intermeddles with all wisdom. Psalms 37 and verse 4, the Bible says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will grant unto you the desires of your heart. So you've got to desire discernment because it is never forced on men. Number two is consecration. Consecration. You can't live like everybody and expect to hear what everybody is not hearing. I'm going to say that again. You can't live like everybody and expect to hear what everyone is not hearing. You can't party like everybody. He said, because I'm a young guy, I'm not married, I'm single. Let me enjoy my life. Continue. Your own definition of enjoyment is what the Bible, you know, according to God's standards, already said God, you know, is a sin. That's what the, 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 the generation has told you is enjoyment. Say, enjoy your life. I'm not enjoying your life, you are destroying it. Consecration. 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 Samson was given strict consecration rules even before he was born. He told his parents, this guy must not take alcohol. He must not do this, he must not do that. 
He didn't do it until the point in his life just felt what is it? Called the bluff on everything God said. And you saw how he ended his life. May you end your life well. Yeah. In the name of Jesus. Let me tell you this. Those who don't live a life of consecration, it might seem as if everything is working. It's only a matter of time. Their fall is always very great. In fact, it is better not to... You see, there are people that don't believe in our God. But in the places they belong to, they have strict rules that they observe. And they dare not miss it. Maybe it's every Friday, he must go to one burial ground. Or he will have children that must not live. I had one recently. Said he's a popular person in this country. Very wealthy. But he must never marry. His wife and children cannot sleep in the same house with him overnight. Consecration. Because you see, consecration is not a Bible word. It's a spiritual term. It simply means a life of separation. God cannot speak to you in a crowd. God does not, God does not, God's voice cannot be a competing voice. There are other people that are trying to get your attention. God to his answer, ah, listen, listen, I want to talk. No. A life of consecration. I see at 21 days fast, that is one of the things they afford you. During this period, you see, we have seven more days to go, right? Is during this period is not the time to be some of us you have been you have started series this year you are fasting and watching series at the same time you have to choose one consecration simply means a separation from every form of pleasure does it mean you don't watch tv at all that's not what i'm saying but you see you reduce drastically or completely eradicate pleasure in a time of consecration and fasting that's what heightens your sensitivity are you hearing what i'm saying can't be watching spider-man and eternals. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Go to movies every Friday during the fast. Chewing popcorn. There's, there's, there's no separation in that. It's only a religious activity. Hallelujah. Number three is calmness of spirit. Calmness of spirit. You need consistent and scheduled solitude to walk in discernment. If your life is too busy and noisy, you will never experience true discernment. In Genesis 32 and verse 4, when Jacob was left alone, the Bible says then until the Bible says Jacob was left alone until the breaking of the day. It simply means Jacob separated himself until there was a breaking forth. He wasn't going to get out of that place, not because it was daytime, but until he got what he wanted. And that's why when the angel appeared to him, he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. That does not happen in a crowd. Number next, number four, is proximity to divinity. Proximity to divinity. The more time you spend in the realm of the spirit, the more things from that realm rub off on you. So spend time in the place of prayer. You are either in proximity to divinity or to a deity. What are the injustices to discernment? What are the injustices to discernment? Number one is unwholesome entertainment. Unwholesome entertainment. Somebody repeat that time. Say unwholesome entertainment. Mm. Entertainment is good, but just be sure what you are entertaining yourself with is not polluting your spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some music videos are pornography, you know, on display. I'm saying, ah, I love that song. I love that song. You know. Some songs, as you are listening to them, uh, the next thing you are thinking of is how to find this next person to sleep with. You say you have been entertained 
but your mind is being messed up. There are movies that as a believer you should not be watching. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? There are jokes. You see, there is nothing wrong. I believe in you know place of entertainment. You see, but there are some comedians I can never listen to because they can joke with anything. Nothing is holy to them. They call pastors' names, call churches' names, use body parts to make jokes. You know, and children are there, and you sit there and you are laughing. You are polluting your spirit. Somebody hearing what I'm saying? Things like that will pollute your spirit. And also entertainment will pollute your spirit. That's why Isaiah 42 and verse 19. It says, who is blind but my servant? Or deaf as my messenger that I sent? He said, who is blind as he that is perfect? And blind as the Lord's servant. He's the Lord's servant but he's blind. He's blind. He's blind. Praise the Lord. Hmm. Nehemiah 4 verse 11 and 15. Nehemiah 4 11 and verse 15. The Bible says, and our adversary said, if you can have that on the screen, I want everyone to see. All right. The Bible says, and our adversary said, they shall what? They shall not what? They shall not know, neither see. They will come in the midst among them and slay them. Did you see that? He said, and cause the world to cease. Anytime things are being destroyed in your life is a byproduct of lack of sensitivity and discernment. The Bible says, our adversary said, they shall not know. They shall not see. That is, they will not discern until we will attack them and destroy the works of their hand. Some of you, you are doing things and that thing is failing. It's failing. But everything keeps nose diving. And you don't know that the problem is that you lack discernment. Because things don't just get destroyed. You see, if you want to bring down this building now, it can't come down at once. No matter how powerful the bulldozer is. But for some people, until the roof falls over upon their head, they don't even know something is going wrong because they lack discernment. They can't read the handwritings on the wall. They can't just see. That's the strategy of the enemy. He says, they shall not know. Neither will they see. Until. Let me tell you this. When you begin to see an attack, when you're under attack, it's already too late. He says, they shall not see. They shall not know. Until we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. Did you see that? The Bible says, and it came to. Okay, let's just leave that. Praise the Lord. So number one is an awesome entertainment. Number two is emotional wounds. Emotional wounds. Emotional wounds. Somebody hurts you. The lady says she's not doing it again. She asks you out. Or he asks you out. Sorry. You're not supposed to be asking. <laughs> he asks you out. Or you asked her out. And she gave you a nail. And you held it in your heart. <laughs> it will affect your discernment. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Let it go. Somebody offended you. Your uncle promised to give you a job when you come out of school. And you are, still, you are still holding it against your uncle. Let it go. Or else it will affect your discernment. Somebody promised to give you a school fees. They didn't give you. They are not gods. And you are now angry. They promised to send you a letter of invitation to the US. And the letter never came. And you are angry. <laughs> you know somebody. You know. Person got to the US and the person that was supposed to speak the pick, pick the person at the hospital. So at the you know what do they call this immigration or whatever? Say, so where are you going? Was supposed to call the person and the person switched off the phone. So obviously from here they sent it back. Or is it sent her back? <laughs> you may never forgive that kind of person. Are you everyone? But you got to the border of the promised land and they sent you back to Egypt. <laughs> you see, but let me tell you those things, because if there is life, there is hope. If you are still alive, you can go anywhere. 
In fact, that kind of relationship might even be the one to invite you years to come. Somebody hearing what I'm saying? Emotional words. I'm giving that illustration. Maybe I'm talking to someone I don't know specifically. But you see, there are things that can wound you emotionally. We can't see emotional wounds, but they are very real. They are very real. They are very real. Things like that, when you hold to them, they mess with your discernment. Next is personal. Okay, let me leave that. Wrong doctrines. Wrong doctrines. Wrong doctrines. There are places where they projected the pastor as the only one that can hear God. And everybody must come to hear from the man of God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Rubbish. You see, even in the Old Testament, Moses saw what God wanted to do years to come. And Moses said, Oh, how I wish all the children, all the congregation of Israel will be priests unto God. That is so that they will be able to hear God. Is wrong doctrine for a message to be preached, whether directly or indirectly, to make everybody believe that you know there are some places that before you travel, you must tell the pastor because he must give you protective psalms and handkerchiefs and hoy. Now, is it wrong to tell you? Of course not, it is not wrong. Out of accountability, you should, or you have a department leader worker as a steward in the house even if you are not a worker but you are connected to the house somebody should know where you are part time it is irresponsibility for you to be lost and nobody can find you as an adult you know what I'm saying I'm not out of fear uh, Ah, if they don't lay hands on me I might never make it back oh, that's rubbish so people if they want to fly their whole family must go on a fast just to fly to Portacourt what will not happen if they are flying to Australia the farthest place that you can fly to. <laughs> the average person avoids flying to Australia. That place so far. <laughs> Only God knows how he placed people there. <laughs> Very far. It means the whole church will fast. And go on mountain. <laughs> Praise God. Wrong doctrines. So when you already believe that somebody must hear God on your behalf, you will never, even when God is screaming in your ears, you won't hear. Wrong doctrines. Also, sexual lust and immorality. Sexual lust and immorality. You know, this generation is trying to paint the picture that sex outside marriage is a normal thing. It is not. And part of the people, maybe the word is remnant, that will never believe in it and agree with it, no matter how much is being peddled. I don't care if your wedding is tomorrow. Anything can happen one hour to the wedding. The guy can say he's not doing it again and nobody can arrest him. Let me tell you this. What you are gaining through sex outside marriage, you know. What you are losing, you have no idea. You can't break God's laws and not be broken. You can't. You cannot. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? See, don't let this generation be, you know, uh, made and Don't let it deceive you. God's laws are still God's laws. You say, our grace has covered it. Grace does not cover anything. The Bible says, can we continue in sin and say the grace will abound. He says, God forbid. He said, do you know how loving God is? He has forgiven you all your sins in advance. Continue. May you not be met with that sin on the day of rapture. That's when you will know that grace did not cover it. Because you don't go to heaven by grace. You go to heaven by being saved and living saved. That's why the Bible says, work out your salvation. It means you can lose it. In this age and time, they are telling you that once saved is forever saved. Nonsense. 
Rubbish. Why did Jesus say that anybody that lays his hands on the plow and turns back is not fit for the kingdom of God? Luke 9.62. If it is not possible for you to turn back, if it is not possible for you to be, for the kingdom to be shot against you, Jesus would not have said that. It was not a prophet that said that. It was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. It simply means you can be fit and unfit for the kingdom. Somebody tells you, if you love me, you will do it. Ah, I don't love you. That's not a true definition of love. Number two, as I begin to round up this morning, we'll continue next week Sunday, is visionary. Visionary. That's the second competence you must develop. Visionary. Visionary. We learned that in the first week of our 12 weeks of strategic repositioning, so I'm not going to talk so much about that this morning. Visionary. Is the process of catching a vision, right, and bringing it to pass. That's what visioneering is. Many people have visions, but they don't know how to turn their vision into reality. And so the vision ends up becoming a nightmare. A bad dream of some sort. You see, until you see it in your mind, you cannot seize it with your hands. The question is, what is your vision for this year? What is your marketplace vision? Where do you see yourself, right, getting to by December 31st, 2022? Who would you have become in the marketplace, in that field, in that business, in your career? Who must you become this year? What are you seeing? Many people just entered the year. So much excitement in the first and second week. Oh, with the new year. By third, fourth week, they are beginning to lose steam. And it just continues as business as usual. No, don't let that happen to you. Be driven by the vision you are seeing. Be driven by your goals. Be driven by the things God showed you before you stepped into the year. That's why there is no serious organization. At the outset of every year, before the beginning of the year, their plan for the year is clearly stated. And everyone in the top executive, right, and everyone that will be responsible for the execution of that vision, they are so clear about what needs to be done. The sales targets, everything is clear. The amounts that must be made, the number of customers they must have. They know. You know, I'm in business. What's the plan for the year? What's the vision? What are you seeing? What are you seeing? Don't let circumstances drive you. Let a vision drive you. Let a vision drive you. That's why you see, sometimes when you look at top executives in multinationals, you might begin to wonder, what exactly are these people doing? One of their responsibilities is visionary. That's why they make sure their offices are always very comfortable. So that the mind can see well. You think they are not working. You look at the man on the road. Uh, on the construction site. Carrying them say, ah, this one is the real hard worker. Without the man seeing, he has nothing to build. That one has nothing to carry. Are you hearing what I'm saying? <laughs> you need to see. You need to see. You need to see. You need to see. <laughs> you need to see where you need to be five years from now, ten years from now. And after seeing it, you now sit down and strategize. That's what is called visionary. It's not just saying you've been taught vision for so long. The missing part, what you really need is visionary, not vision. Because if I ask everybody here, what's your vision? You have vision. But a lot of people don't know how to convert that vision into a reality. That's where the work is. That's the competence that must be developed. You sit down. To the last combo, you plan a budget. You develop a budget. What is a budget? A budget is you telling your money where to go before it comes. Instead of wondering where it went after it is gone. 
Many people is after the money has gone, they will not be writing budget. How did I spend it? It's too late. You name every naira, name every dollar before it arrives. As part of the process of visionary. Okay, when this resource comes, what are we going to do with this? This will only go to this. This will go to this. Percentage, this particular percentage is what goes for, you know, operations, goes for paychecks, goes for this. This part goes into saving. This part goes into investment. That's visionary. And God will not do that for you. Somebody hear what I'm saying? Some people expect God to give them vision. Then they expect God to also carry out the vision. <laughs> Very irresponsible behavior. Hallelujah. Somebody bless this morning. So the second competence is visionary. Visionary. Actually, but say, neighbor, what are you saying? Ask them very well. Say, are you saying anything? And ask them, are you saying something about what you are saying? The reason why many people's vision end up as nightmares is because they catch a vision, but they do nothing about it. May your vision not become a nightmare. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank Jesus.